Welcome to Reteach, a place where professors know that student equity gaps can be closed and are willing to put in the work to figure it out. We are dedicated to our teaching and our students. We are passionate about improving our classrooms and our communities. We can make a difference. We will make a difference. I am your host, Bruce Hoskins, and my mind and heart are ready to learn. So what's up, everyone? So this podcast is going to be the first one in a short series titled How COVID-19 Will Make Us Better Teachers. Now, please, 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 please do not misunderstand where I'm going with this. I am in no way, shape or form trying to minimize the global pandemic that we're all experiencing right now. Um, As a matter of fact, if you are experiencing this and being affected on a direct personal level, I am definitely not talking to you. Right. I mean, being just dead serious. Right. Um, If you got other things you need to handle, I encourage you right to handle those things. This is not as important as all as your health and is not as important as your loved ones. And so I completely understand that. However, if you are like me and you find yourself in a space where you can uh, where your loved ones are safe, where your health is good and you are in the teaching profession. Right. Because this is affecting all teachers um, in some way, shape or form. And your uh, college has uh, to whatever degree forced you to uh, consider distance learning as the only way to deliver information that uh, and, and to teach. Then this now is um, to now this actually is, I would argue, an opportunity. Right. If you are in the position that I'm in, then now this is actually an opportunity for all of us to think about our teaching and how we can be how we can use this moment um, to become better teachers. Right. And so then I'm going to speak, you know, directly about, you know, things that are happening at Maricosta, because, you know, like I said, this is this is something that is affecting all of us. And um, we just got finished uh, with our or we're in the middle of our spring break right now. Um, as I'm recording this, but then, um, you know, the very next week, we're actually going to cancel class and really, and we're really going to focus in on how to do online education slash distance learning, right? So that's going to be our focus for a week. We will not have classes for a week. And look, like I said, if, if, if life is crashing in on you right now, I'm not talking to you, right? Um, like I said, your health and your family are way more important to what it is that I'm talking about. However, um, again, this is an opportunity. I mean, when was the last time we actually had a whole week, right? Just slow everything down and we get to focus on our teaching for a whole week, right? And so, and I mean that. I really mean this as an opportunity and and to look at it as such. And so this is what I don't mean though. I do not mean that this is going to make us better online distance teachers if we're not already doing something like that already, right? It's like, look, I'm going to tell you straight up, Um, I have, I am not an online teacher. Um, I have some distance online elements to my teaching. Um, like my textbook that I wrote, it's online. Um, the, my, I have videos, I have these podcasts and things like that. And so there's, um, I have online distance elements, but I don't have that as, um, a set curriculum. I don't, I've never taught an, an online course before. And so um, I'm trying to tell folks, it's like, look, if you're not, if you haven't done any of this already, we're not going to become great overnight. Okay. As a matter of fact, to think that we could be great at this overnight is to be very disrespectful to right to people who are doing this um, and who are really good and spent a lot of time and effort and energy and years and years and years 
um, you know, talking and teaching and, and developing all these skills and whatnot. Right. And so again, right. It's like, so we really need to make sure that we are uh, being as, as respectful as possible of what we're experiencing, you know, and, at the, and yet at the same time, understand that this is an opportunity for us to become better teachers. Right. And so then, you know, so to me, the first thing that's going to happen is that we're going to have to, we're going to be forced to explore more options. Right. And, and to use this as an opportunity to explore things that you may have never uh, have explored before. Right. This is what I did with the opportunity of becoming the professional development program coordinator um, here, you know, at Maricosta and that, you know, with the, the position comes with 40% reassigned time. And so I really wanted to use that, that time, right. To, to do some things that I, um, didn't have, that I didn't have time for. Um, and so I spent like the entire summer learning how to do podcasts and everything. And so that's where, um, I was able to really, um, develop, uh, that skill set, and so again, I'm I'm really wanting folks to to look at this as an opportunity, right? And we need to do it for a lot of different reasons. We need to look at this for an opportunity to provide a sense of structure and stability in an otherwise chaotic world right now um, to our students, to our loved ones. We owe it to them to continue to show how teaching and learning can become better, how we can become better even in times of crises like these. Right. And so and so then uh, another thing that we're going to be thinking about as we're going forward with this is we're going to wrestle with what the minimum is. Right. And this is so important for us to understand as educators that what really is the minimum of what is it that students can learn in our class and still be ready for the past this class. And then also for a lot of these classes, be ready for the next one. Right. And so, you know, and so when I'm thinking about this, you know, first of all, we have to establish what that minimum is and really separate those things out from what we want our students to learn versus what we need our students to learn. Let's be real about this. Right. Is that of our class is like just an introduction to, let's say, my sociology class, right, my introduction to sociology class. This is not a prerequisite to any of the other classes that we have. And so therefore, um, very different in regards to what is the minimum in these spaces, right? Um, I can cover some things minimally, right? Um, and yet at the same time, there is no uh, set minimum of what they need in order to be successful at the next level, right? If I don't cover, you know, education in its fullest, um, students can still take social problems and do well in the section where they talk about education, right? Um, and whatnot. However, um, if we're talking about Simply put, and we're talking about pre-calculus, this is going to be very different in regards to viewing the minimum and understanding what the minimum is for students to be successful in calculus one, right? And so I, I don't claim that that's going to be easy. And yet at the same time, for all of us to go through this process of thinking about what the minimum is, is going to be very beneficial, not just to our, our students in this time of crisis, um, but it's also going to benefit us in regards to our teaching, right? It's, it's, it's going to help us set a baseline, right, of, of what is it that we need to make sure we get across to our students, you know, in each and every one of our classes. Christ is notwithstanding, right? This is also going to make us think about how we need to assess our students, right? You know, hopefully, 
we don't scrap the way that we're, you know, uh, assessing students because we're doing the distance education and everything. However, however, to think that there won't be any changes if your class is not already designed for distance education is going to be, you know, short-sighted and problematic, you know, to say the absolute very least, right? Not only for the students, but for you also, right? And so, you know, so let's think, right? Let's let's make sure that we're processing how we're going to assess people um, and whatnot. There's a whole core of, of, uh, of things that I've already decided that I don't have to assess, right? It's like in my classes, um, I do this really big thing, um, on uh, helping students write a poem. I, I spend considerable time in my introduction to sociology class having students write poetry. Um, and so now that's going to be scrapped, right? It's like that's that's a want. It's not a need. And so I have to prioritize what the students need um, in times like this. This should also make us really think about how we need to grade, right? And so when we're thinking about grades right now, and we're thinking about crises and we're thinking about how people can be affected, not only how people can, how our students can be affected, but how also we can be affected in all of this. We need to be very considerate um, of, of how we're grading during this time. Are we being patient? Are we being kind? Are we taking other things into consideration into our grading or do we stick with the same rubric, right? Which now... Right. If we are we're thinking about rubrics changing, if we're thinking about all these things um, at this time, then it should make us think about it when times are going well and there are no crises to respond to. Right. It's like, because we can change our rubrics. That's the idea. Right. I think a lot of us have been teaching so long that we can't even imagine changing our rubrics. They've been working for us fine for 5, 10, 15, 20 years now or something like that. But uh, in times like this, this makes us understand things can change. And not only can they change, but if we take the time and we're patient and we think through this, we can actually make things better for not only our students, but also for our own teaching um, and whatnot. So um, second thing that we need to consider is to get comfortable with this new normal. Right. I don't know if anybody is thinking about it like this, but I am already. It's like because if if we're doing this for this global crisis, then surely there will be another global crisis that's going to come about um, and and whatnot. And so then we need to be thinking about uh, this for our future in teaching also. So, look, I'll be real about it. If you're close to retirement, maybe you don't need to think about it as as much as everyone else does. But at the same time, if you want to become a better teacher, there is no time that is better than this right now for us to all um, try to figure out how to be better teachers um, and whatnot. And then third, right, after we've established the minimum and after we get comfortable with this new normal, the third thing is then then we get to build from there. Right. It's like we have to deal with the harsh realities. We have to make tough decisions. But after that, right, after we establish the baseline, then we can start building from there, right? Then we can start building from there. Just understand, right? It's like we we need to remember that getting down to the essentials is not the goal in and of itself. The to me, the getting down to the essentials, well we're going to we're responding to a global crisis. So that's that's what we have to do, right? You know, if ands or buts about that. And yet at the same time, setting this new minimum is not does not that's not the end of teaching and thinking about teaching, right? Establishing this new minimum should make us rethink about everything that it is that we've done in the past so that we can create a better future in the way that we teach, right? 
Another thing that we're going to have to consider is we, we are going to have to rethink our policies and our practices. And I'm going to tell you what, I was like, I'm going to say this with maybe a little bit too much attitude here. Um, but you know, it's like, if you've been listening to the podcast, um, you know, that I just got finished doing three, um, episodes on, you know, on an email that a student sent regarding that they're going to miss class because they're sick and will they miss anything important and how there's a lot of teachers who take that. Will I miss anything important part of this? very personally and all of that. Um, The part that I want us to focus on, though, is the idea of students being sick, right? That we need to, um, if we have not done this before, we need to create room in our uh, syllabi. We need to create room in our late policies. We need to create room in our attendance policies for students to be sick and for them to not come into class in order for them to uh, not spread contagious diseases, right? That's 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 should be one of the big goals that we're having in rethinking our late policies, our attendance policies, right? And then just overall our syllabus and how we think about it and have constructed it. Those are kind of things that we want to be thinking about also. Another thing that I think is going to happen uh, for us, if, like I said, if you if we take this opportunity, is this going to help us remember what it's like to be a student again? You know, for me. Um, I'm going to have to, you know, sit down and and go through, you know, online teaching, you know, experience distance education as my colleagues are teaching me distance education. And um, I'm going to have to learn all of this stuff, um, not quite from scratch, but it's going to be hard. It really is going to be hard. And it's going to remind me um, about what it means to be a, a student again. Right. And I already know that I'm nervous to ask a stupid question. Now, here's the deal. If I, a grown ass man with his Ph.D. with, you know, over 15 years of teaching experience is afraid of asking a stupid question, then how much more pressure is that on our students? And for us to be thinking about that, right, it's like, you know, uh, thinking about how we respond to questions, how, look, I ain't going to lie to you. It's like, look, I'm 48 years old and the people who are teaching in this space, they're all younger than I am. And how this has to, you know, affect me, you know, or it doesn't have to affect me, but it's going to affect me in regards to uh, respect and authority and, you know, an age and all of this stuff is going to be in play, right? All my insecurities around these things are going to be in play. And I need to be aware of the emotional toll that's going to be happening in this space also, right? You know, and I've, and I've purposefully placed myself in spaces where I had to become a student again. And, and yet at the same time, you know, because, um, uh, I, I think I've mentioned in, in other episodes or whatever that I um, I'm a coach at a local high school uh, for you know, defensive linemen. Right. So I, I coach football and everything and uh, going into that space and not knowing as much as I know about, you know, I don't know as much about football as I know about sociology, clearly. Right. I don't have my Ph.D. in football um, and everything. And um, being in this space where I really didn't know a whole bunch. Um, it was very, very humbling. Um, and I had to learn how to be a contributor. I had to learn how to ask good questions. Well, not even good questions. I had to learn how to ask questions, um, to, to, to check myself, um, and to, to really make sure that I was learning and I had to learn how to assert myself, um, in those spaces. 
Um, I had to learn how to stand up for myself all over again. And like I said, I am grown. I have my PhD, but my PhD didn't mean anything in that space because it didn't have anything to do with football. And so I had to grow up um, in that space. I don't mean that in a negative sense, though. Right. It's like I really had to revisit, relive a lot of those um, traumas that I had as a student. I had to revisit, relive a lot of those triumphs that I had as a student in order for me to gain the confidence um, to to relate to my students, right, or to well, I call them students to 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 the players, um, to be able to teach the players, to be able to learn from myself, to be able to teach myself, and in order to be able to think, um, you know, in context of a team, that's something that was really weird. Um, I'm not gonna lie; it's like you know what, in the classroom, we spend a whole bunch of time, um, you know, it's like we don't really spend a whole bunch of time thinking about uh, collaborative teaching, um, or you know, teaching with you know team teaching and stuff like that. That's just not a modality that's over at, you know, Maricosta. I understand that other colleges do that, but at Maricosta, we don't do that a whole bunch. And so then for me uh, to have to rethink how I interact with my, you know, other, uh, you know, coaches that are, you know, and we're highly dependent on each other to be doing the same thing, be on the same page so that, you know, uh, and that's going to, you know, affect the success of our team. Right. And so anyway, I'm saying all of that just to say, Um, putting ourselves in the position of our students and reliving some of that and uh, that angst, that unsurety, all of those things, this can be very good for us. If we take this opportunity and embrace this, this can actually be very good for us and our teaching and really help us uh, regarding, you know, just, just thinking about our students and benefiting them and serving our students to the best of our abilities, right? And lastly, and I really hope this comes off correctly because, um, I, I need to say it. And yet at the same time, you know, this is something that, of course, this is close to my heart because we're talking about, you know, this this podcast is developed on student equity um, and, you know, equity inspired teaching and learning and everything. And what I want to, to say in this space is that it's, this this COVID-19 is going to help us become better teachers because it's going to remind us about how easy it is to forget about equity in an emergency. Right. That, you know, there's a lot of things that people are automatically switching to uh, with respect. Right. I'm not saying this to to take shots. I really am saying this out of uh, the, the utmost love and respect in the crisis that we find ourselves in. Right. There's a lot of people who are switching over to things and they're not thinking about how to make this as equitable as possible. Right. Or we're finding out that our practices are not as equitable as they could have been in the very beginning. And so that if we would have, if we would have been thinking about equity um, in the beginning, we would have been a little bit more ready uh, for a crisis like this. And so it's easy to forget about equity in an emergency. That's why we need to build this into our everyday practice, right? We need to build this for ourselves from the ground up. We need to be thinking about access from the very beginning in regards to equity, from the very beginning so that when we're thinking about access now, um, like, like think about it, right? It's like if, if we were, if you had, um, if you don't have an open, uh, you know, an OER, right? An open educational resource for your textbook or something that students can, um, can get to online. If you didn't have that already, you have to think about that now, right? If you haven't thought about cultural relevance in your materials, then it's going to be really hard to think about it now as we're crunching our way to, you know, as we're, you know, speeding our way to this 
um, you know, to this start line, right, of, you know, like I said, we're, for Maricosta, we're going to have next week off. Um, and then and then it's a full on go distance education is going to be full on go the very next week. And it's like and so we got a time crunch uh, with us. And it's like and so if you haven't ta- thought about, you know, cultural relevance and and, you know, cultural competence in your in your curriculum, it's going to be very hard to do that now because we're under an emergency. Right. And so that's and so that's what I'm saying. Right. It's like it's going to be easy to leave all those equitable practices um, uh, you know, off to the side or not consider them right now because we're in a in an emergency mode. I'd rather have had us think about those things before this crisis happened, so that when we're thinking about adding material, right, thinking about online stuff, thinking about adding things to our class that we're already um, wholly enculturated, wholly dedicated to finding, you know, uh, material that's culturally relevant so that we don't have to think extra hard right now because it's going to be easy to go to the standard go-to easy things, right? It's like, like I respect TED Talks a lot. A lot of us are going to go to TED Talks and going to, you know, and just pick and choose from a lot of those spaces. But if you're not purposeful in regards to the TED Talks that you select, if you're not purposeful in regards to the YouTube videos that you select, if you're not purposeful about whatever it is that you're going to select, then it would be very easy to just fall into the same patterns um, of cultural irrelevance to our students, of white hegemonic teaching practices um, and, and whatnot. Those are going to be the things that a lot of us are going to fall back to. And white hegemonic teaching practices, that has nothing to do with race, right? I already told you all in the beginning, right? It's like I started off doing the same thing and I'm black. So I'm just saying, right? It's like it's going to be very easy to fall into those practices if we are not conscious about that. And so this needs to, um, like I said, hopefully this will make us uh, this that much more conscious. And something else that is easy to forget in a time of emergency, right? Equity practices. Uh, one of the the the, the practices that's definitely um, has been established as something that's going to you know help close equity gaps is is developing personal relationships with students, right? And how this is going to be so much harder in a distance education format. And I get that. And yet at the same time, we need to, you know, take ownership of the personal relationships that we craft. Uh, with our students that we are purposeful and meaningful and intentional about these relationships because we know um, that these can close equity gaps when we do so, right? And so then if it's hard to develop personal relationships face-to-face, right, now that we're going into this time of crisis, it's going to be even for, for the people who are not, you know, online teachers and, you know, and experts at distance education, it's going to be even harder for us to develop those relationships. And so that's going to be, you know, just that much more difficult, right? Um, and, and whatnot, because we're facing an emergency, we're going to cut all the all these things. But what I'm saying, though, is that if we would have uh, that if we are more intentional in regards to centering student equity that, uh, you know, in our practices, in our everyday practices, then when it comes to a crisis like this, we will not have to cut the equity pieces in order to be successful and to help our students succeed in our classes. And so anyway, take it easy, folks. Stay safe. Stay healthy. I hope you learned something. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reteach. If you want to learn more about me, or my open source introduction to sociology textbook, please go to brucehoskins.com. In closing, I want to leave us all with a question. If you learned something today that you think would help close your student equity gaps, how long will it take to incorporate this into your classroom? A year? 
a semester, next month, today, no matter the timetable, we must commit ourselves to becoming better teachers. Our students deserve it, all of them, not just the ones that are good already.